0: That's right. I I'm starting to think uh, watching so many of your stories that I need to add a strong diet of Dr. Pepper um, <laughs> to my daily intake and then that's how I get sass. Yeah, it, right? That's how it, it happens. Is, uh, it does help me. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Welcome to this special edition of the Modern Lady Podcast. I'm Michelle Sachs. This summer, I was thrilled to be able to sit down and chat with author and blogger Catherine Whitaker about intentional living, family life, and her new book, Live Big, Love Bigger, which launched just a couple of weeks ago. The newest season of the Modern Lady podcast won't be hitting the airways until next week. But in the meantime, we are thrilled to welcome Catherine Whitaker to the show today. Catherine is a mom of six from Texas, blogger, a writer, and is the Dr. Pepper connoisseur of the internet. She is, in her words, a diehard Texas Aggie, a devout Catholic who converted and was confirmed an hour before her own rehearsal dinner, and a pure bar enthusiast. Now, I have been following Catherine's blog, Team Whitaker, for several years, and I've always found everything from her advice on balance and organization, to how she manages both the highs and lows of family life really encouraging as a fellow woman and mom in the trenches. And so you can imagine our excitement today as we get to chat with, and welcome to the show, the incomparable Catherine Whitaker. That's very sweet.
1: Thank you. Oh.
0: <laughs> Hi, Catherine. Welcome to the Modern Lady Podcast.
1: Thanks for having me. It's super kind of y'all to have me on the show. Oh, it's our pleasure.
0: It's all our pleasure. Um, you know, your glowing reputation precedes you for many of us. But for those perhaps meeting you for the first time, could you tell us a little bit about
1: yourself? You bet. So um, I'm a Texan. So that should explain some of the words that you may not understand here in the next little bit. But um, I'm a sixth generation (laughs) Texan. I have six children ages 18 to five, so kindergarten to college. And I've been married to my husband for 23 years. And we live in Austin, Texas, and I've been blogging Gali for a very long time. And most of that was precipitated because of the birth of our fifth child who was born premature. And God opened some doors to allow me to share, I guess, in a real intangible way, how we live life as a big family, but also how we live it with authenticity and purpose.
0: Yeah, I, I get that from all of your posts. And you're right, all the way from uh, telling your story about your son, Luke, right? Luke was That's the correct. one. Yeah, In the the NICU. Yeah. um, And going through life with your whole family uh, through the ups and downs, like I was saying in the interview is so um, eye opening and encouraging and inspiring for the rest of us to be able to see how your family does it. And it's so great. Thank you for sharing it.
1: Of course, we do it with a lot of mistakes along the way. So hopefully people see those and recognize (laughs) that nobody's perfect, right? (laughs) For sure.
0: Oh, for sure. Yes. Yes. Um, And you balance it with your sass, right? Uh, Very well. (laughs) I love it so much. Um, I have cousins that grew up in Texas, and I remember going to visit them um, all the time when we were kids. Every summer for my childhood, we would drive from Ontario down to Texas. and Yeah, we we love (laughs) it down there, and it is quite a drive. (laughs) Lots of quote family bonding happening in the van, which you you know all about after your trip last week. Yes. (laughs) So one of the other things I have always loved reading about on your blog and through your social media accounts, actually, is is your family's desire to have this intentional life. So for you and for your family, what does living intentionally mean, and uh, how is it? developed looking like for you?
1: Well, living intentionally for us means um, living sort of according to what God desires for our family. And sometimes there's a little bit of a conflict of what we want or what we desire in that moment. And then when we open our eyes to see the bigger picture, it kind of allows us to say, okay, so what's the long game here? It's super easy for us to get caught up in the short game. And we learned that with our sixth baby, she kind of forced us to really look at how how well we were living intentionally, but for us it means really putting things into two different categories: is it a no or is it a hell yes? So like I want my, my I want my yeses to mean something, and we've really adopted that as a family. And so we want when people look at us, we want them to know that we're faithful. We want them to know that we're um, kind and compassionate. And we want them to know that we really desire to be in their presence. So like if we go to an event or we see someone, we want them to feel welcomed and we want them to feel really, um, really loved. Because when you're in someone's presence, you don't want them to be there out of obligation, but you want them to be there because they want to be there. And so that's really kind of the focus that we take as our family. Mm hmm.
0: Wow! Yeah, I I remember reading this. It's a theme that comes up often through your blog posts, and uh, one of them in particular from 2017. Mm-hmm. I had to look up that date. I didn't just know it off the top of my <laughs> I head, was be <laughs> but I remembered reading it. <laughs> um, but I do remember reading it, uh, where you talked about the glorification of busy. And it was exactly what you said that stuck with me about having to say no to some things so that you can say a big yes to better things. Um, and so, in particular, I remember you speaking at one point about your family's decision to cut back on extracurriculars, right? And yes. I was just talking to my mom about this the other day, that it can happen so fast. It can creep up on you so fast. And how surprised I am. I, I have young kids right now, um, under seven, but already it's starting to happen sometimes without me even realizing it, this uh, saying yes and accumulating so much in your schedule and your life. So, you know, for you, what has been the most challenging part of starting to say no to those kinds of things and what's been the
1: results of sticking to your priorities? I think the hard part, particularly as your kids get older, is really helping them discern because, as, as when your kids are younger, you're the decision maker. You know, you sign your kids up for ballet, mm-hmm. you put them in soccer, you put them in the church choir, school choir, whatever. Those are all your decisions. As they get older, they start to really take ownership of that. And so, the delicate dance that we've been right. playing is helping guide them as their parents. And us too, but helping guide them as to what can you handle and also be a good student, a good friend, a good family member, and then also develop your love and interest for the things that you that you enjoy doing. So helping them take that ownership sometimes means that you have to let them fail a little bit and then you have to fail a little bit as a parent. So it's a delicate dance of kind of finding the right balance. And I think that's tricky just because now we have three teenagers. So instead of just helping one or two navigate, like they keep getting older. And so we have to, we have (laughs) to help them all navigate that. And each one of them is different, even though they both came from, you know, both from my husband and I, they're all six very different children and with very different interests and gifts and abilities and so i would say that's the trickiest part and i think it really comes down to just a family centered on prayer um going to mass on a regular basis but also praying together as a family and encourage your, encouraging your children to develop their own spirituality their own relationship with jesus because if that isn't the focus than all the other stuff that you try to manage, which really controls an illusion. We don't really have any, but unless you have a, a family centered on prayer, the rest of that is so very difficult. And we, we learn that, you know, you learn it the hard way sometimes.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh, that is so good. Um, I didn't think of it in that way before that you have to help them learn how to discern for themselves, right. And not jump in every time you see, um, the
1: good way of doing something or what you think is the good way of doing something. Yeah. That's the hard part because there's a lot of, there's a lot of really, really good things to say yes to. And I think that's, that's really the crux. That's the hard part is you look at these 10 really awesome choices and I'm a top A kind of mom. So I'm like, yeah, we can do all that, but should we do all that? And so I had to step back as the mom and my husband had to step back as the spiritual leader of our family. And we had to say, but should we be doing that? And that means that you have to say no to some really good things. And that's, I mean, in our society where we say yes yeah. a lot, it's hard to say no, especially when the, the when the choice is so good.
0: That's right. Yeah. Um, and it's like a badge of honor that you yeah. can wear, right? If you feel like you
1: can keep up with all the things. But yeah, it was, I mean, I had this reputation, right? Like, yeah, I like had this mm-hmm. uh, six kids, you should be able to do that. You're so organized. You can do all the things. And I was like, yeah, I could do that. I'll show all those people that I can do that. And then <laughs> and then we got in really deep and I'm like, this is really ridiculous. We cannot do this or we can do it, but we are super stressed and frazzled and it's not mm-hmm. worth it. Yeah. It's going
0: to take from things that are important to you um, and not give you the family life that you're hoping for. It's almost like having a mission statement, right? <laughs> yes. As a matter of fact, it yeah. is.
1: Do you have one? Um Just curious. We do. I know some families um, do. Yeah. So sort of anecdotally, we've chosen um love, um sh- love God by serving others. So that's sort of our, mm. that's sort of our mantra. So are we serving others and not just serving ourselves? And so we've, it's tricky. Yeah. I would say yeah. that that's. Probably the biggest balance is giving up control to your kids because then that means sometimes they have conflicting interests of what they want to do with what the family needs to do. So it's a constant battle of, are we communicating enough and are we communicating well? It's tricky. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine, especially the older the
0: kids get, the more maybe pushback or input we'll say (laughs) they have (laughs) in the decision-making process.
1: (laughs) They do have a lot of input. I hadn't thought about it that way, but that's a really good way to describe it. Yes, they've got very boisterous input sometimes about what (laughs) they want to do as opposed to what we want them to do. So yes, Um, but we've really learned to give them choices and sometimes those choices lead to a decision of like, it's almost like you can see the train wreck happening and we know how it's Mm going to end, but we let them make the choice anyway because they have to Mm -hmm. learn. And I think that's one of the most difficult parts of parenthood is knowing that your kids are going to fail and letting them do it anyway instead of swooping in and saving them. Wow. Yeah. Even listening to you say that, I'm like
0: my I think my heart rate went up (laughs) a little bit. (laughs) Don't don't remind us too. It's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So do you and your husband, Scott, uh, do you have a process or a system of discernment when it comes to having to choose what to say yes to
1: and what to say no to? Well, practically speaking, we get together on Sunday evenings and we talk about what's coming up for the week. And Mm. so that's sort of an immediate future, like what's happening, you know, this week or this next week. And can we do it? And so that's logistically, that's when we look at the calendar and say, this is probably not going to work or we're going to have to take this off or let's move this around or Rearrange some things or just simply say no. So that's a that's an immediate opportunity for us to have communication and it typically happens right now that happens between us and our two oldest children, although our oldest is going off to college, and so we'll have two in, two more in high school next year. And so that meeting is probably going to continue to grow as they get older, but it's an opportunity for mm-hmm. them to manage their own calendar and their own schedule. And then we also have an opportunity to walk them through, do you think you can do that? And that's when we sometimes let them fail. As opposed to mm-hmm. some of the bigger decisions like, should you play basketball this season or do you want to take two AP classes in high school? That is a bigger decision that requires a little bit more prayer in a little bit, we kind of back up that decision. And we typically will have discussions kind of at the beginning of the season. So like right now, um, we're talking about what are we, what, what's life going to look like this fall? And then as we kind of enter the holidays, what's life going to look like in the spring? And then in the spring, we say, all right, so what's the rest But What are we looking for in the summertime? So that's more of a seasonal thing. And I, I don't necessarily think that it's, it's more of an organic conversation, but it's definitely one that we have with everybody.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I really like that idea of sitting down as a family to go through your week ahead of time. Um, And you do it all together because to me, it seems like, especially for your teenagers, it helps them to see what everyone else has going on too, and kind of gives them a better sense of how their own life still impacts the entire family. And sometimes there's some give and take that needs to continue to happen all through family life. I think that's something maybe even as, as teenagers, but certainly into adulthood, we kind of forget sometimes that our, our schedules and our busyness impacts other
1: people. Yeah, it's like the world doesn't revolve around y'all. <laughs> you have yeah, to recognize yeah. that there are seven <laughs> other people in this house and and as the mom I have to recognize that everybody doesn't revolve around me either. So, mm. it is always an eye-opening experience on Sundays to and, and <laughs> I think we get so like we get in our lane. Like we know that we have this event or that event or this obligation and then we forget right. that other people do the same thing. So, it's also gratifying to know that my kids are serving or doing things sometimes that I don't know about. And they come up in the Sunday meetings and I'm like, Oh, that's really cool. Or I had no idea that you were doing that. So that's kind of a fun byproduct that we didn't expect to have after those meetings.
0: Yeah, that is awesome. That's really good. Uh, So you often speak often about authenticity and showing up unapologetically real in your own life. So this is really hard for me. And for many of us, I'm sure both in the online world and in the real world. So how has being authentic and honest influenced your journey to living more intentionally? And do you see a connection between these two values, depending on one another?
1: You know, my dad. So I'm the daughter of an army man and the daughter of a school teacher. So my mom was a school teacher, and um, honesty was something that was very important in our home. And growing up, my parents always encouraged us to tell the truth, but also to live a life of integrity. And so I have a really hard time being around someone who I feel is like fake or they are pretending. And sometimes that gets me into trouble because I'm a truth speaker. <laughs> I'll just say it. Oh. And so I learned <laughs> in my wisdom and my age that it's not always the right, even though you know what the right thing is, sometimes it's not always right to call people out. And so I've learned to hold my tongue. And I would say, I mean, I still have a little sassy streak to me, but it's probably tempered a little bit because mm-hmm. of my age and because I now have teenagers, but living authentically, I think is, Incredibly important because if you can't live authentically with the people in your own life, I think that's a direct reflection of how authentically your relationship is with Jesus. And I will say that didn't really, that message wasn't really driven home for me in a big way until we had our premature kiddo. And with Luke, I just didn't, I didn't have the bandwidth to pretend. I mean, it was hard. And I just felt like maybe I need to share or maybe I need to talk about things that other people aren't talking about them and talk about them in a way that encourages and inspires instead of I think you can go down a path of being, you know, a negative person and share all the negative things that are going on or on the opposite side, share too much. So there's a balance there. And I think that Mm -hmm. comes through Mm -hmm. prayer and a relationship with Jesus. But for me, I think it, it all started the way that we grew up. And then it's really kind of matured and grown as I've had more children and certainly through life experience. But I think people are craving authenticity in their relationships, authenticity in their relationship with Jesus, with their friends, with their spouse, with their kids. I just, life is too short to be anything other than who you really are. And if you have work to do, be honest about the work that you have to do. I mean, I have a whole laundry list of things that I should probably take to the confessional fairly soon about the work that I have to do on my own, on my own self. And as I wrote the book, I certainly was thinking about all that, but I think that living a life of authenticity, excuse me, is also living, a really free life. You're free to be who God intended you to be. And you no longer have to pretend to be this person who the world thinks you should be.
0: Yeah, that's good. Um, We know that as parents, often our actions speak much louder than our words. And often it seems like our words are silent. But what is the biggest takeaway that you hope your kids get from watching you and Scott intentionally lead the family this way
1: in all these areas that you've mentioned so far? I hope that we kn- that they know that we really love Jesus, that we desire to have a family centered on him and that we are going to make a bunch of mistakes. One thing I don't re- really remember growing up, I remember, I remember my parents making mistakes. And I remember them asking occasionally, you know, Oh, ignore that. Or, you know, we made a mistake or whatever, but we've really, I think Scott and I have really owned the fact that we make a lot of mistakes every day and, I've been asking for a lot of forgiveness here lately because teenagers are are a special kind of sanctification. And I mean that in a great way. I love my teenagers and I love that they bring out, Mm. um, I love that they bring out the worst in me because it requires me to look at the ways in which I need to improve. And it's also given me a lot of opportunities to ask for forgiveness. And I'm not really good at doing that. I don't like to admit that I'm wrong or that I've done something wrong. And so I think that's been a real gift And it's also allowed us to have really beautiful conversations with our children about their relationship with Jesus and that, you know, certainly when we had our kiddo who was born premature, I think it really allowed me to see that there's a lot of brokenness and there's a lot of messiness. So I I ask that they not only learn to be forgiving of Scott and I and of themselves, but of the other people in their life. And I think that's a constant lesson that we're trying to learn along the way is that you have to extend people grace. and I think before I saw the world as black and white, and after Luke, I see all the areas of gray and how we're called to be kind and compassionate. So I, above it all, I hope that they know that, that it's their relationship with Jesus and how they foster and grow that that will make the most difference in their lives once they leave our home. And so Danielle Bean, who's a great Catholic mom who I've looked up to for a long time, often says, you know, I hope that the lessons that we, that we instill in our children that they take with them. And so I think that's the season that we're sort of in right now is we're seeing the Mm -hmm. fruition of instilling those lessons and then we're launching kids, which is frightening, but also awesome at the same time. And so I hope that that's what they take from all of that. So that was a really long answer to a really beautiful question. Wow.
0: No, and it was a beautiful answer. I'm going to be thinking on all of those points for a long time. Um, Because we're right in that building phase, I think, here in our family. But it's, it's nice to watch older families and how they've worked all these years, often behind the scenes to instill these kinds of values and virtues in their kids and then seeing it come about. And I follow your own journey through that with your teenagers. That's really wonderful. Thank you. Um, so if you could give only three pieces of advice to someone who wants to begin this process of slowing things down a little bit and living more intentionally,
1: um, what would those be? You know, I knew this question was coming. And I still, um, that's a good <laughs> question. Um, the first thing I would say is that decisions that you make when they're five probably will not affect them when they're 18. And what I mean by that is, If you choose not to put your child in dance class at age five, you have not completely derailed their cheerleading or dance scholarship opportunities when they're an 18 year old. And I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to always be right at a very young age as young mothers. And it's not necessary. In fact, it's counterproductive. So the second piece of advice of that would would be to um, remind yourself to be present. I remember when my children were younger and there there have even been some moments now as teenagers that I've looked at and I have thought, oh my gosh, if we can just get through this season, then the next one will be better. Right. And I think every season and every mom has thought that every season has its pros and cons. You know, when they were younger, physically, totally exhausting, but then we also had time. We would put our kids to bed at seven o'clock and my husband and I had time in the evenings. We don't have that time now. It's just shifted. So it's just a different season. So I think I would encourage moms, women to downplay the cons of the season that you're in and upplay and really focus on the pros of the season because every season is going to change and every season is going to have its hardships. They're not all joyful. And so I think finding that balance is a good thing. So first is don't put so much pressure on yourself. Second, be present. And third, I would guess... I think my my best advice to a mom is I sit here and think about 18 years of mothering babies, I think it's to listen to your kids, to really have, to open up lines of communication with your kids. You know, when they were little, my boys were talking about Thomas the Tank Engine and Bob the Builder. I'm dating myself now, but they were talking about all those things and they were telling me about, you know, this dinosaur, this building thing that Bob the Builder was talking about, or this kind of train or this kind of car. And sometimes I would blow them off and sometimes I would listen to them. But I've found as they've gotten older, sometimes my boys will start out talking about the latest um, free agency trade with in, in regards to like football mm-hmm. or basketball. And then that will lead to a deeper discussion about things that they're struggling with in school or a life choice that they're really having a hard time with and they want our advice on. So sometimes the, the conversation initially starts out as, oh, I can sort of half listen to that, but also cook dinner and also check my phone. And it turns into, mm-hmm. I really need to be present for my kids in this moment and listen to what they have to say so that we can have a really beautiful dialogue. And inevitably, my kids always want to have that dialogue at like 11 o'clock at night, but it is what it is is—the right. season yes. that we're in. Yes. And yeah. so I think those would be my three pieces of advice, because I think when you can do those three things, it gives you insight into the kind of person that they are Mm -hmm. and then it helps you help them learn how to live a life that's truly centered on Jesus and it's truly framed by really great intention and those things only happen when you extract the extraneous noise so that you can be present in the moment you're in because when you fill your schedule up with all those things you're so busy you have no time to talk to your children or you're so busy you have no time to sit on the couch and enjoy your spouse's presence.
0: Wow, those are awesome pieces of advice. Um, I remember um, just going back to what you were saying about 11 p.m. being the time (laughs) that seems to be common. uh, I remember as a teenager, that was often for some reason, it just hit me as a teenager. That was when I sought out someone often to go and talk about things. And um, my mom's a big uh, mystery, British mystery fan. And that was always when she would sit down to start watching a show. And I'd come walking in and I remember her just sighing and pressing pause (laughs) and always being there, always being present. So um, if it's stuck in my memory for all these years, then I can attest 11 p.m. it's worth it to put
1: it down and listen to your kids. (laughs) Yeah. So basically what I'm telling moms is you're never going to sleep again (laughs) because they're (laughs) thinking, oh, this is great. They'll get older. I'm like, no, no, you're never going to sleep again. So that's just the way it is. Sorry. Sorry to burst the bubble.
0: (laughs) Okay. We'll move on before we think too, too much on that and start to (laughs) get down. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But I'd love to t- uh, to just end on uh, talking about your book. So the book is called Live Big, Love Bigger. And it came out at the end of August. I love the tagline on the cover too, getting real with barbecue, sweet tea, and a whole lot of Jesus. Because I feel that that just sums you up. Uh, but can you tell us a little bit about the book and talk a little bit about how living and loving big Maybe doesn't necessarily mean all of this doing it all, let alone
1: perfectly. You bet. So, the book really is about living a life of intention and purpose. But I do that sharing some stories about really all areas of our life, whether it be about authentic friendships or your marriage or relationships that you have with people, um, how you vacation, even. And so, I talk about all those areas in life. But really, the impetus for the book was Luke, our kiddo who was born premature. And so, when Luke was born, it was sort of like the earthquake, like the the slap up against the wall, like, oh my gosh, we need to get our act together. And so with every chapter, I share a little bit about what life was like before him and then he happened and then what it looks like now. And so it was a he's he'll be ten uh, this fall. and so it was an opportunity for me to really reflect back on how much his life changed and what lessons did I take from that. And rest assured, I do talk about barbecue in there, but you don't have to be Texan to appreciate it. Um, I hopefully will make you um, laugh in there. I'm pretty sure I might make you cry. There's a few chapters that were pretty hard for me to write just because I shared a lot of my heart in there. Mm
0: -hmm. And so I
1: hope when people read it that they are inspired to really have a stronger relationship with Christ. That's C-H-R-I-S-T. So a stronger relationship with Christ and just to be fully present with the people in their own life, whether they're married or not married. And then how do you build this beautiful life of intention, building on the strengths and gifts that God has given you? And then how do you share those with the world? And so it was just a tremendous soul-filling experience to put all those words on paper. Mm -hmm. Um, That's how I pray with God. And so that book is One Long Prayer. And to share that with the world and know that Some of the hard things that we went through and also some of the really beautiful things may help someone navigate through a hard or even a joyful season of their own life. So I loved I loved writing it and I'm looking forward to hearing what people have to say about it.
0: Yeah, wonderful. And so they can get people can get this book um, through any major um
1: yeah all the places anywhere that you yeah. buy books yep any okay. book, anywhere that you buy books you can get the book yes
0: okay awesome
1: so it's a yeah live big love bigger it's got my cowboy boots on the front that really is me on the front so <gasps> you'll you. know when you found the book that yeah I that's heard. me yeah they're on there and I um as a matter of fact while we've been um talking I've been drinking sweet tea oh. so um <laughs> I drank gallons of sweet tea as I wrote that book um it was uh So it's, it's probably got a little sugar in there, but they're definitely, um, it was just, it was really beautiful. I loved writing it. And I think that there's some stories in there that people, I'm a storyteller by nature. And so I think those stories, I hope, hopefully will resonate uh, with the people that read it. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to reading the book for sure. I know I've had my copy pre-ordered since the very beginning. So, um. Yeah, I'm so excited to hear your words or to read your words in the book. Well, thanks, Catherine. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. I loved being here. Thanks for having me. And Catherine, where can
1: people get in touch with you online? So you can find me on Pinterest, Twitter, and Instagram at kwhitaker96. So that's kwhitaker 96 6 And then Team Whitaker over on Facebook. And you can always email me at teamwhitakerblog at gmail.com.
0: And we will provide links to all of your uh, contacts as well in our show notes for the episode. So if anyone uh, needs to go reference that for later, you can do so on our website. We hope you enjoyed my conversation with Catherine Whitaker in this special edition of the Modern Lady podcast. The new season of the Modern Lady podcast launches next week, and Lindsay and I are so excited to get back into the swing of things around here. Thank you so much for listening today, and have a great week.